Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Contact Lens Museum's inaugural podcast, The Contact Lens Museum Dream, How It All Began. My name is Craig Norman. It's really my pleasure today to introduce you to Patrick Caroline. Uh, Pat is the man behind the dream related to the uh, Contact Lens Museum. And uh, Patrick is going to tell us a little bit about how we got to the point that uh, we are today. Uh, for those of you that uh, don't know Pat, Pat is uh, a professor at the Pacific University College of Optometry. Uh, he's a world-renowned contact lens expert, and he's also a collector. And I've known Pat for four decades, and he's been collecting things since I first met him, and now has really turned that into something that is fabulous. Patrick, welcome. Thank you, Craig. Uh, what a uh, sense of accomplishment you must feel right now that finally this contact lens museum appears to be a reality. Well, it is finally. It's been many years of uh, ongoing collecting. Uh, collections are always quite funny. They kind of begin with a piece here, a piece there, and then one day you turn around and all of a sudden your basement is filled with uh, items that uh, eventually uh, your wife will uh, intervene and say, you've got to do something with this. And that's exactly what happened. We decided that uh, we had enough to uh, virtually open up a contact lens museum. Like, Pat, I know that, uh, you know, originally when we were young guys starting out in the industry, we started collecting books. And then it went from books to picking up little artifacts here and there. And, and of course, you've had the opportunity to travel the world uh, enlightening folks on different aspects of contact lenses. And you've been exposed to a lot of uh, different artifacts in different parts of the world. But what really made it to this next move for you? How did you finally, besides having uh, your wife, Gia, say enough is enough, but what really was the impetus to get this thing into reality now? Uh, that one's pretty easy to answer. That uh, all came about at the Gia GSLS meeting when I had an opportunity to sit down with uh, Don Ezekiel. Don is a clinician and a lens manufacturer from Perth, Australia. And lo and behold, I discovered that we had a kind of similar passion for collecting various contact lens items. Now, Don is not a young guy, and uh, he's been collecting much longer than I. And he was actually originally trained by Joseph Dallos. Joseph Dallos, uh, that name just echoes uh, with the history of contact lenses. He is probably one of the primary or key persons uh, involved in the evolution of contact lenses. And Don actually goes back far enough that he was manufacturing glass contact lenses uh, in England. And it was there that he actually began collecting these uh, various items because 
early on in the evolution of contact lenses, the majority of the work done in the world was uh, not in the United States. It originally began in Germany and then kind of overflowed uh, throughout Europe and uh, a lot of the early work in contact lenses was actually done in uh, England as well. So uh, England and Germany were really pretty much a cornerstone for the uh, evolution of contact lenses. So Pat, can give us a time frame here. So Don Ezekiel went from Australia to the UK, uh, and I think it was in that order, correct? Yes, that is correct. And, yes. and then, uh, well, what time frame is this when Don was there and had the opportunity to work with Dallas? You know, I've, I've got to admit, I'm not real clear on the time frame. I really uh, would like to sit down with Don uh, sometime coming up and really get the... Uh, the chronological order to uh, to this evolution of, of uh, contact lenses. Okay, well, Pat, you're going to get the chance because one of the future podcasts is going to be with Don on exactly oh my. that okay. history from his perspective. Um, so, really, that sounds great. So, Ezekiel began, you know, picking up bits and pieces here and there um, and from his time in the UK, and then settled in Perth and started his business both as a lens manufacturer and a fitter and continued on collecting at that point. That, that's it. And uh, he reached an age of retirement and uh, just really wanted to see his collection uh, in a safe place, a place where there was a potential whereby it would be on display for all practitioners, clinicians, um, and even lay people to, uh, to see and admire. So it really was uh, because of Don Ezekiel that we have this museum. He was the one who really provided the cornerstone of these critical items that uh, really now make up a, a big part of the Contact Lens Museum. I remember at that GSLS uh, meeting uh, when Don was participating on the program and he brought that book with him. Oh, yeah. And, and the book <laughs> was basically his way of putting, you know, his treasures all together in some place. Uh, and uh, it was a magnificent piece. It really was. I still have the book and uh, refer to it uh, quite often when I'm trying to get the chronological order, the circa of certain items. And, uh, you know, having Don around with us uh, still is, uh, is just really a joy. So, Pat, to the best of my knowledge, you know, while there are um, other places uh, across the globe that have tried to uh, build something that would maintain the history of contact lenses. Uh, for instance, you know, when Tim Bowden was alive and the relationship with the folks in the UK and here in the United States, the uh, American Academy of Ophthalmology has got a bit on the history of ophthalmic devices, uh, the American Op Optometric Association. 
But I believe that this is the only freestanding contact lens only museum uh, in the U.S. or maybe across the globe. Am I correct? I think you're correct, Craig. Uh, like you said, most of the museums are optical museums. Uh, they uh, specialize in anything related to the eye. Um, ours is a little bit different in the fact that we've uh, decided to just focus in on the history of contact lenses. You know, it is kind of fascinating to me that the contact lens industry is this multi-billion dollar a year industry, and yet we really don't have a place where its history has been really preserved. So that's really kind of the gist of the museum, is to take this multi-billion dollar industry and, and give it a history. And just keep collecting these pieces uh, as they find their way to us. Uh, that's uh, kind of the biggest goal of the museum. Well, I sure think you're on your way, Pat. That uh... We've got a good start. And uh, the sad part is, is that, you know, every day I almost feel like uh, families are coming across these treasures, not really understanding what they are or uh, are they of uh, any value to the history of contact lenses. And I'm afraid that a lot of those things tend to get thrown out uh, just due to the ignorance of the family. So sure. we hope that, you know, we'll have a place, uh, a, a place on the website uh, that they can identify as a, a place where these items can be shipped to, where they'll be cared for and displayed for future generations. Uh, definitely, definitely. So I know that um, the order of things are that the physical plant itself, uh, although it's pretty much done, is going to have a grand opening this summer. So this recording right now is done in the middle of May 2019. So within the next couple of months, there's going to be the major grand opening. Uh, and there will be a website that will be launched here briefly to address what you just said, Pat, to make people aware of it. And there will be a plea, of course, to address to the families, as you just said, on what they should do with these uh, artifacts as they find them. Um, but for our listeners, I think it really would be key for you to talk just a little bit about the um, artifacts that you have today that are being shown at the museum. And I think that you have them split into different categories, such as scleral lenses, corneal lenses, uh, lens care, for instance, of course, soft contact lens history and instrumentation. And beginning with sclerals, can you just tell us a little bit? You don't have to tell us everything, of course, there's so many. <laughs> but if you could tell us, uh, you know, a few of the really priceless things that are at the museum right now. I think uh, currently we have the largest collection of glass scleral lenses uh, on the planet. We have approximately 2,000 of these glass contact lenses that were manufactured between 1920 and uh, 1950. 
uh, plastic for contact lenses really didn't find its way into the marketplace until shortly following World War II. So these glass contact lenses and diagnostic sets are really uh, some of the key components to the museum. One of the other features I think we're incredibly proud of is the fact that we have the last glass-making contact lens apparatus on the planet. Uh, this was a uh, manufacturing apparatus that was um, uh, developed in Perth, Australia. It found its way to Don Ezekiel and uh, then found its way into our museum. And just having that last instrument for making glass contact lenses is really something we're quite quite proud of. And, and, and it should be. It's it's beautiful, uh, especially that um, if one is able to see the way contact lenses are manufactured today. Let's talk about scleral contact lenses that are manufactured today with this really sophisticated computer numerically controlled machinery where somebody just puts a uh, chunk of plastic uh, onto the machine and then types in some code and off this thing goes and it just makes the contact lens for them. It was quite a bit different in the days of glass manufacturing, huh? Yeah, it sure was. And uh, the funny part about the apparatus, Craig, is the darn thing is still working. Uh, we fired up all of the motors uh, that um, run the edgers and the polisher and the apparatus to put the power into the front of the lens. And uh, the uh, molding apparatus uh, for heating the glass and making the mold uh, still works today. So... Um, I don't know how many of our contact lens lays we're using today are going to be around uh, 100 years from now. But I guarantee <laughs> you we'll still be making glass contact lenses or able to make glass contact lenses, put it that yeah. way. Yeah. And, of course, those glass lenses, they're just a piece of art. Oh, they're they're, they're so, so beautiful. And So, Pat, in the scleral area, uh, I noticed that the museum has a number of uh, diagnostic sets uh, that kind of document somewhat the uh, evolution of scleral lenses. Can you tell us just a little bit about that? Yes. Uh, shortly after World War II, as soon as polymethylmethacrylate was introduced, uh, a number of companies began to emerge in the marketplace. Uh, prior to World War II, uh, there were only two or three lens manufacturers in the entire world, uh, and they were based uh, predominantly in Germany. Uh, the Mueller Company, uh, Carl Zeiss Corporation, which is still in business today, and then uh, Mueller Welt. So uh, it really wasn't until after World War II that uh, we began to see the worldwide immersion into contact lenses. And really, uh, there was a time when there was this change uh, from scleral uh, plastic 
contact lenses to the corneal contact lenses. And that really took place in the uh, 1950s and 60s. Uh, so the PMMA scleral contact lenses in the late 40s, early 50s really kind of dominated the scene. And you're right, there were a lot of different manufacturers producing those lenses. Here in the United States, uh, we had the Obrig Company in New York, mm -hmm. Salvatore in Florida, uh, Wesley Jessen in Chicago, and then Soflex in um, in Los Angeles. So yeah, Solex, I think. Solex, Soflex, yeah. so Solex. So um, very interesting how these companies began to pop up, and then with the evolution of the corneal contact lens, everything really changed. More and more manufacturers became involved in the production of those lenses. You know, the uh, if you just sit back and you think about when the companies that were involved in the scleral lens business and then uh, that evolved into corneal lenses, and we've heard different stories, and we'll tell those stories in the future, I believe, about how we went from sclerals to corneals, but that the corneal lens manufacturers back in the uh, 50s and early 60s, they could never, ever have imagined that scleral lenses would have a rebirth some 40 years or 50 years later. It really is kind of a crazy tale. It is. It's uh, it's just making that full circle, and it's actually occurred, Craig, in our lifetime, uh, which is uh, just hard to believe. And um, you know, we'll see where the dust settles uh, with all of this. But um, it's fun to see the larger scleral lenses coming back into vogue. Yeah, for sure. And Pat, many people don't know that uh, our personal history is that we basically started in this field together and spent some time training at Cleveland Clinic. And And I often think back at that time when we were introduced to the um, RX56, the Rheinco gas permeable lens product, which was made out of CAB or cellulose acetate butyrate, which had, I believe, a DK of three or five or yep, exactly. some, some, something like that. <laughs> and, and But it was revolutionary at yeah. the time because central corneal clouding went away and the corneas looked terrific and the whole uh, process of using sclerotic scatter to evaluate a contact lens kind of disappeared. Uh, and, uh, and that was really the second rebirth, I believe, of corneal lenses because now they were able to get more oxygen uh, through those lenses. And, and we'll address that uh, uh, at a later time. Uh, but to step back with the PMMA lenses, I, I believe that there are some diagnostic sets that are available uh, at the museum also. One in particular I'm aware of is the Butterfield set. Um, is I think that's true. And can you tell us a little bit about that and others that might be available? Yeah, I'll tell you the, the George Butterfield story is a, a fascinating story. Um, it's kind of 
near and dear to my heart because uh, the George Butterfield Laboratory was here in Portland, Oregon. And he was an optometrist who actually refined the corneal contact lens. The initial corneal contact lenses were what we refer to as monocentric lenses. They had mm -hmm. no peripheral curves on the back of the lens. It was really George Butterfield who patented the technique of flattening the periphery of the contact lens to emulate the flattening that takes place in the normal cornea. It was a logical kind of progression but uh, it was really his work that um, led us to a, to let's call it the modern corneal contact lenses we use today. The lenses we're using today are very, very similar in diameter and in shape to those of George Butterfield in the early 1950s. Well, Pat, you know, did you make an interesting point? Because if you look at the Butterfield patent uh, and you look at the way the parameters of the lens are drawn out, they're basically identical to what corneal lenses have remained ever since. Uh, yeah. and, and also, I think along that same vein, when you look at some of those really early scleral lens patents, that uh, you could slip those into a presentation on scleral lenses today and they wouldn't look a hell of a lot different uh, than what has, uh, was originally conceived by those inventors. Well, it's so funny you should mention that because I was lecturing on scleral lenses at a meeting and um, uh, we were talking about how today we incorporate tangents in the periphery, which are straight lines mm -hmm. that more kind of closely emulate the shape of the uh, peripheral cornea and sclera. And uh, lo and behold, I found out from one of the individuals in the audience that uh, this really isn't anything new, that it had been uh, very much uh, used back in the 1940s. And sure enough, when I did a uh, reasonable uh, literature search, all of a sudden, all of these uh, articles began appearing about the use of tangents in yeah. scleral lenses. And then the funniest part was we were measuring the uh, scleral shape with a $60,000 anterior segment OCT instrument. And we found that the average angle of the sclera was 42 degrees. Well, back in 1946, they measured it and found that it was 43 degrees. They were one degree off in their measurements mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. back in 1946. So it just really goes to show you, Craig, uh, we are following in the footsteps of some incredibly brilliant people, much sharper than we are today. Oh, I, yeah. yeah. I have to admit. <laughs> well, they, they, you know, of course, like you just mentioned about doing a literature search and with a push of the button and, and the Google machine spits <laughs> it all out to you. Uh, well, that, of course, back in that day, there wasn't a lot of prior art to even look up relative yep. to products. And uh, people were really starting from scratch. 
And, and so Pat, you know, I know that this corneal lens story, it's so fascinating, just like the birth of scleral lenses and one of the future uh, contact lens museum podcasts, we're going to do it strictly on the origin of corneal lenses, because, you know, there's at least a half a dozen people we're aware of who claimed they were the ones that came up with it. And I think that that will be really, really interesting to dig into uh, a little deeper. Um, So can you move on a little bit, um, since this is just an overview more than anything, and and talk about what pieces uh, are in the museum that followed the birth of soft contact lenses? Yeah, Craig, that's such an important chapter for all of us, uh, the evolution of the soft contact lens. As we know, the story began in the early 1960s in Czechoslovakia with Otto Wichterle developing the first uh, plastic for contact lenses. And uh, we're very, very fortunate in the museum to have uh, uh, 12 of those original soft contact lenses. They were actually marketed uh, under the name of SPOFA, Mm -hmm. soft lenses. And um, for some reason, uh, Don Ezekiel had... um, all of the paperwork uh, from the original lenses in the mid-1960s that he had ordered directly from Czechoslovakia, he had kept the paperwork and he had kept the original lenses. Uh, so those are a cornerstone in the museum, some of the earliest soft contact lenses ever manufactured. So you're right. Uh, We're very, very proud of that. And then one other item that um, uh, Don had in his uh, collection was a set of the Griffin lenses. Now, these were lenses that were manufactured later in the uh, 1960s Mm -hmm. uh, by uh, uh, Stan Eisen uh, and... uh, I can't think of the other gentleman's name, uh, last name Gordon. Yeah, Stan, it was Stan Gordon. Stan Gordon. And, and Eisen, and they were in the upstate New York area. They were in Buffalo, New York. Mm-hmm. And I think from what I can gather, they did a lot of their R&D work across the border in Canada because of the FDA here. Mm -hmm. And uh, they eventually developed a plastic, uh, which was one of the very earliest lathable soft contact lenses. And um, it uh, eventually became the soft con lens. Now for you and I, Craig, we remember that as the first therapeutic uh, soft contact lens uh, in the U.S. Now, it's kind of interesting because in the diagnostic set uh, that uh, of these early Griffin lenses, uh, they have a lens in there that has an 8.4 base curve and a 14.2 diameter, exactly the parameters that we're using today. 
Mm-hmm. And remember, this is in the late 1960s yep. that they had figured out that this is going to be the optimum shape of a lathe cut soft lens for the human eye. Again, uh, how they arrived at these parameters and how they have withstood the test of time is really testament to the genius of these people. Yeah. You know, Pat, I still remember when we were in Cleveland and we were using the Softcon lens and uh, we would talk to some of the old timers. I mean, you and I were in our early 20s at the time. We would talk to old timers who were probably 40 or 45, but they would talk about the Griffin lens like it had happened way before then, but it hadn't really. It was just a matter of half a decade or so. Yep. That is for sure. And then it became part of American Optical and Warner Lambert and all of that uh, as uh, the bigger companies um, got involved. And there also are some pieces at the museum, I understand, from uh, the major player in the beginning here in the U.S. of Bosch and Lohm. Can you tell us about that? No museum would be complete without a large segment of the evolution of soft lenses being dedicated to Bosch and Lohm. Um, our industry would be still in its infancy. It hadn't been for the tremendous influence uh, Bosch and Lohm had on the early evolution of soft lenses. And um, we're very, very fortunate to have all of the early uh, contact lens disinfecting systems, some of the early uh, Bosch and Lohm soft contact lenses, the B, F, J, N, and C mm-hmm. series lenses, mm-hmm. the early charts, which believe it or not, were fitting uh, soft contact lenses, not by base curve, but by sagittal depth. Sagittal depth and apical radius. And corneal diameter. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, you just go, oh, my gosh, how did we deviate from that uh, to get to where we are today? Um, It they had it figured out. They knew what they were doing. And um, the industry is you know, taking some ups and downs and, um, but then eventually we find our way back home. We find our way to the real science of uh, contact lens fitting, which today is fitting sclerals and soft contact lenses by sagittal depth. Yeah, 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 for sure. I know that um, also I think will be of interest is not just uh, the history of soft lenses, but the history of soft lens care products. You know, starting oh. off with uh, using distilled water and salt tablets and making up one's own solution to, uh, you know, mass disinfection in the office using one of the acceptor units uh, that could take a whole rack of lenses and be able to run them through the disinfection process because we were so afraid of what might potentially happen with soft contact lenses uh, as far as negative effects on the ocular surface, by the way, many of which proved to be true uh, when uh, not taken, not complied with properly and, you know, many complicating uh, factors. So that's a very interesting part 
of the museum uh, as well. Again, we will talk about this in the future. But I think the one last area I'd like to have you touch on a little bit, Pat, is you have some really interesting stuff uh, at the museum that is the instrumentation that is used to measure the eye, to examine the eye, and uh, you know to look at corneal shape. And can you talk a little bit about uh, what some of those pieces are? Yes, a, a number of those pieces also came uh, with the Don Ezekiel collection. Uh, Don was a little obsessed with collecting these old instruments, uh, predominantly keratometers, ophthalmometers, and uh, slit lamps. So uh, we're blessed uh, by having those, <clears throat> those instruments as part of the museum. And it's kind of interesting when you look at these early devices, how almost space age they look. Um, these are instruments from the early 1900s uh, for measuring corneal curvature. And yet they have a very almost modern look to them, uh, considering they're well over 100 years old now. Those but, early uh, ophthalmometers are things of beauty. Yeah, they sure were. And um, one thing you you learn about uh, this equipment when you're at the museum is the weight of the equipment. Uh, everything was built back then, uh, Craig, with cast iron. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm not surprised that I have a bad back uh, because uh, lifting these instruments uh, is just unbelievable how incredibly well built. They were, and, and the fact is uh, they've withstood the test of time and uh, still work today. So um, amazing instruments. For sure. So, Pat, do you have any closing comments um, on this particular opening uh, episode that we have of the Contact Lens Museum? I know that looking forward, just about Every single small topic you brought up will become an episode in the future uh, as we dig into every part of lenses and plastics and manufacturing procedures and the different evolution of the lens designs. Uh, but do you have a couple of closing comments? I think the only closing comment, Craig, is just a plea, a plea to everyone out there to go through their drawers in the office and those cabinets in the office. And when you come across anything related to contact lenses and its history, uh, just send me a picture of it and and say, is this an item that uh, might be of interest for the museum? And uh, chances are pretty good that uh, we'd be very interested in having it in the fact that uh, we want this to be the final resting place for these relics. And we want to make sure that the history of contact lenses is uh, maintained uh, for all the future generations. That, that's fantastic. And, and we know that once the uh, museum itself is open to the public by appointment uh, later on this summer, that we welcome any of the listeners to uh, go ahead and contact uh, you or Gia 
through the website, through the contact area at the website to be able to schedule the opportunity to view it. But I think some of the plans that uh, have been undertaken to bring the museum to the country also are of interest. And my understanding in talking with you that your plans are that uh, in the year 2020, that the Contact Lens Museum will be exhibiting at three or four of the major meetings. And then along with the traveling exhibit that will be going to uh, somewhere between two and four optometry schools every year going forward. And Pat, I think that that undertaking is really a wonderful thing to be able to bring some parts of the museum to the people. Exactly, Craig, and we're really excited about that component of uh, the Contact Lens Museum. Excellent. So I want to thank everybody for uh, listening, and Pat, for sure, I want to thank you for not only the tremendous efforts that you have put together at this point in getting the museum uh, off the ground. I would like to let people know that this uh, series of episodes is going to continue, and we hope to cover many things, including a visit with Don Ezekiel, as we mentioned, a visit with Roy Wesley coming up to talk about his father, Newton Wesley, uh, and what contributions have uh, been made there, made there, excuse me, through many of the uh, major manufacturers and the inventors through the years. And Pat, I don't know about you, but I'm so looking forward just to having the chance to chat with all these people coming up that, um, you know, I get excited just thinking about it and preserving their remembrances of this growth in the contact lens field. Well said, Craig. Pat, thank you very much. You bet. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, stay tuned. We will be coming to you once again to discuss the uh, contact lens museum. Bye for now.